Today, I want to talk about living my blessed life. And I'm going to take it up a notch today, and I'm going to start, start talking to some of the mature believers today because I got a word for the mature, and I'm, everybody's going to get something. I believe that. But um, I'm stepping out a little bit further today because I just feel that that's what God wants to say as we're setting up 2019. And um, it's so powerful because there's something in the Word of God, God called blessing, and there's something in the Word of God called cursing. And the Bible gets pretty specific about the two, and you can go into detail and study those out, and I really would love you to go do that. Go and get yourself a, a good dictionary or go online and Google words and, and find out what those, 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 those words mean. I'm going to go into some detail today, but not like you, there's so much more out there. And so the Bible identifies the two and tells, tells us what they are. Basically, it's like light and darkness or a positive and negative charge, if I can put it in those terms. Um, they don't go together. They just don't go together, you know. You put a positive, negative charge together, there's going to be sparks. Something's going to give. Something's going to blow um, they, because they're not meant to flow that way. Um, also, light and darkness, um, they don't flow together. Um, the moment light comes on, darkness dissipates. Uh, when darkness is on the scene and, and uh, when light is on the scene and darkness tries to invade, it can't. So they, they, never, they never mix together, okay. And so the same is true with blessing and cursing. They're a reality. They are in the earth today. And what I want to do is get us to turn on the blessing because the moment you turn the blessing on, like you turn the light switch on, it immediately causes curse to move away from you, okay? The curse is about hard toil. It's about working hard with little results, and I'm going to get into that in just a moment. Jesus talked a little bit about this as well, but one of the things that stuck out to me was when Jesus was um, hungry, he got off of a boat, and he saw a fig tree from afar, and he goes and approaches the fig tree because he wanted something to eat. You know, they didn't have pick and saves back in those days. Come on. But they did have some trees. And so he went to go get something to eat. And when he got there, the Bible says there wasn't the season for the figs. And um, he saw that there was nothing, nothing to eat in the tree. And the Bible says he does something unusual. And in response to the tree, he speaks in response to the tree. Now, this tree doesn't have a mouth, but sure enough, your circumstances and your bills, like your bills don't have a mouth either, but they sure can talk to you. Come on, somebody, amen to that. It tells you what you can't have, right, and what you're going to do and all that bondage. And so, and so he speaks in response to the tree, and he says, cursed be you. Let no man eat from you, eat any fruit from you, ever again. And he walks away. And it was an unusual thing. Jesus had never done that before in his ministry. And he walks away, and seemingly nothing happened. But the next day, they walk by the tree. Jesus ain't paying any attention. But, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Peter does. And he says to the disciples, guys, look, the tree that Jesus tried to get some fruit from and didn't have any fruit, remember that? Yeah, yeah, there it is. And it's dead. He cursed it. He said, let no man eat fruit from you ever again. Man, he meant it. And the tree was uprooted. It was on its side. It was dead, dead. So let me make this statement to you. Nothing under the curse survives. And if there's something called the curse in the earth, which I'll talk about in just a moment, then we got to deal with it so we can nullify it, get it out of our life, because all it produces is death. And what I'm trying to get God's people, because I deal with y'all, and I'm with you, we live together, right, together as a church, and one of the things I see is God's people so frustrated. And they're so frustrated because a fruitless life is a frustrated life. 
And so a lot of times when we don't have fruit in our lives, we get very frustrated because we know there's something of more value in us than what we're producing out of us. And so we become very frustrated. And when we get frustrated, we frustrate everybody around us. And we frustrate the things around us, the circumstances around us. And then we do something called compare. And we see how everybody else, everybody else, seemingly producing fruit. Come on, somebody. Because you can make anything look like something. But let's say they do. And we look at their world and we go, wow, look at them fly. Look at them go. How come I can't have that? And that's a part of the devil's deception to come into people's lives to get them going in a, a circle. A perpetual circle like a dog chasing its tail ain't never going to catch the tail. Always thinking the tail's just about there and they can't grab it. Not really. It's their own tail end they're trying to bite. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Now, my, if, my, if my voice breaks because of the little cold that I got, I'm going to preach anyways. Okay, I'm going to preach. Yeah, you hear that? Like I'm going through puberty a little bit there. Praise God. So, so I'm going to preach. Is that Okay. Because I told him I'm going to calm down and teach because I don't really have the voice for it today. I can't help myself. Now, now, now I want you to be excited about it because your life is about to take on a brand new meaning this year. And you need the blessing so you can get the curse off you. So you can start having some fruit in your life. You know, God called you to have that business five years ago. I'm prophesying to somebody. And you ain't never had it yet because you think it ain't like somebody else's life. But just, just wait a second. Once you get the blessing on you, to begin to work in your favor, you will see God's hand move in your life. And you will see God begin to open doors that were not available to you before. Everybody say, open me a door, Lord. <laughs> now, here's the good news. The blessing will absolutely cause you to become an overcomer. And it's strong enough to fix anything that's broken in your life. And someone should say, thank you, Jesus, because he fixed you. And he fixed me. I was broken. Come on, somebody. My life was broken. Your life was broken. Your heart was broken. But the Lord says, I can use that. I can help that. I can redeem that. I can bless that. And bring it back to life again. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let's get into this. Then God said, let us make man in our image. That just simply means to look like him. So although God is spirit, we have an appearance of God. What color is God? Well, don't tell me you know because you'd be dead if you knew. Because the only way you'd find out is if you're on the other side. I don't know, but I'm looking at a whole lot of color in this room today. Some of y'all are going to be shocked, man. You're going to get to heaven and God's going to be a redhead. You're going to know What? You're going to get to heaven, he's going to have an afro. Then what are you going to do? <laughs> Bible doesn't say. Bible does not say. He's just God. But he looks like us because we look like our father. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to help somebody today. You didn't climb out of some primordial sludge. And end up, come on, like a slug and slide them into the ground. And, and then one day grew arms and legs and became a monkey and hung from a tree. And then became something called a homo sapien who became a human being. 
Ain't nobody like you ever been, ever will be because you're made like your father in his image and in his likeness. Study that out. It means that you function like him. So I'm made to look like him. I'm made to function like him. He's my father, but I'm made to be like him. Let them have, he said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them, men and women together, praise God. Now, I'm not going to preach too long on that, but male and female. I don't, care how many, I don't care how many things they put on Facebook to try to check off what you are. You're either male or you're female. I love you. I love you, and God's going to help you. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. He what? He blessed them and then said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God gives them a mission or a mandate, and he says, you know, be fruitful and multiply, and tells them to have dominion and subdue. But before he does that, he, before he speaks that, he does something significant. And God blessed them. What does that mean? God bless you. Oh, praise the Lord. God bless you. What are we saying? Somebody, God bless you. What are we really saying? There's something powerful here that we just kind of let it float in and float right out, and, and we don't even really understand what it means. Everybody say, the blessing. So what is the blessing? Three things. Number one, it's the anointing of God power, the strength, supernatural power and strength of God by which divine favor flows. If you're looking for favor in your life, what is favor? means undeserved, unearned access. So you get access to things you didn't study for, you didn't pay for, you never earn. Come on. And you certainly don't deserve it. But God says, just because you're my son, just because you're my daughter, I'm going to go ahead and favor you anyways. Come on. You know your little rugrats that you got in your house don't always deserve it. But just because you love them, you favor them anyways, church. Amen. Amen. And, so, and so he says, the, the word says that the blessing is the undeserved access or unearned access, the anointing of God for his favor to flow in your life. Also, blessing means it's the covenant of God. In other words, it's a contract, a sealed contract that overrides the curse. No matter what the curse is trying to do to your life, God says my covenant through my blessing is more powerful. It overrides it. And the third thing is, the blessing is the power of God to produce and reproduce that which is depleted. So no matter how far the level goes down, there's an anointing in you to bring it back up. So God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Everything about God is fruitful. Not frustrating. 
Everything about God through his blessing, multiply. Doesn't even add. Add would be good, but this is multiply. And he said, fill the earth. Fill, that word fill means to replenish. Everybody say replenish. Everybody say put it back. Once you use it, you got to put it back. Replenish, restock, refill. Amen, church. So whatever you take, there's an anointing for you to put it back. So what? So there's never again going to be a day of lack in your life. There's no such thing as a shortage, maybe in the earth, but not in the kingdom of God. There's more and more than enough. That's good, Pruitt. I like that. Be fruitful, fill the earth, replenish the earth, and subdue it. What does the word subdue mean? It means take ownership of it. Take responsibility. Own it. So I have conservative values. And, but I don't always roll with conservative people. Because I don't believe anybody's got it right. Everybody think they do, but there's all, see, this word has to be the guiding force in my life. I lean conservative because I see how the word shows me things that are conservative. So when I see abortions, late-term abortions, it makes my stomach turn because I know what the word has to say about it. It's genocide, it's murder, and it doesn't matter what color of skin they are. They just don't care. It's all about the money. It's all about almighty buck. That's what this thing's about, y'all. It's always, that's why you said you can't serve God and mammon. You can't do both. Anyways, that's a topic for another time, but we got to start dealing with that too. I said we got to start dealing with the issues. I'm being forced to come forward with all this stuff. Now, <clears throat> so it leans, it leans that way for me, but like, like, I'm all about, if you chop a tree down, you better have a seed to put back in the earth. Because if you believe in, if you believe, it doesn't matter if you believe in global warming, whatever the words are now, global warming, um, uh, climate change, now, it's, uh, now it's, uh, it's called extreme weather. That's a new thing for everything. Whether you believe it's man-made or not, don't care. That's not what, what I'm talking about. I don't, I'm not going to get political on that side. What I am saying, though, everybody needs to take ownership of their lives and go, wait a second here. We can't just abuse the earth and think we're going to get away with it. So we shouldn't maybe pollute our waters because we got to drink it. Am I, am I, so that's not sounding political. I'm just saying common sense tells me that if I take a tree, I got to plant one. Or I might one day run out of trees. Right? So what does that mean? It's mean I take ownership and value and become a steward of God owns it all, but he puts it into my hand. So he says, now I own it, but I'm subletting it. I'm allowing you to have freedom and you have all authority given to you. That's why you can't go, why does God let the star, these church children starve all over the world? He's not. It breaks his heart. We let them starve. It's our greed. When will we wake up and go, it's not him, it's us. 
He put the earth into our hand. He said, you have dominion. You subdue it. You be fruitful and you multiply. I'll back what you do, whether I agree with it or not. He makes us owners. God was saying, I, I, I complete. I've done something here. I've made this beautiful garden of Eden. Now, I want you to complete what I started. It doesn't stop here. It's a continuation. Adam was to make heaven on earth because heaven was the blueprint for the earth. And Adam was standing like literally, like in the stead of God, the authority that God had in heaven. He gave that authority to Adam and to Eve on planet earth. He said, now this is you to rule, but I want you to rule like I rule. I want you to allow me to come into your world, invade your world. I'm still going to be God. That's not your position. But I do want you to take ownership of what I give you. And if you mistreat it, it will be mistreated. You see, that's what we got to understand. A part of our life has to be understanding this because it's so, so powerful. Because God said, I'm going to give you everything. Everything's yours. Every tree. Every animal, you name it, it's yours. Whatever it is, it's yours. But there's one tree. God said, that's my tree. I'm going to put that in the garden, the middle of the garden. It's mine to remind you I'm God. To remind me I built this, I established this. It's my tree. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from this fruit, you will die. Don't do it. All they had to do was keep their hands off of that tree. And the Bible says that Eve looked upon the tree, saw it was good to eat, took, ate, gave to her husband. He did eat. We don't know how long this took place. We don't know if this was a thousand years in. We don't have a clue. But we just know that they, they ate and they fell from into sin. And the Bible says immediately their eyes were opened. They saw one of those nakedness. They ran into the trees, sold themselves fig leaves together to cover their naked parts. And they hid in fear and trembling when they heard the voice of God. They were afraid for the first time. They were afraid of God's voice because sin will cause you to run from God and not to God. Cause you to fear God rather than embrace God. It's always been the case. And... The Bible says from that moment on, what happened? In that very moment, the blessing lifted off of the two of them, and the curse came into the world. And the curse is the opposite, the polar opposite of the blessing, which means instead of there be favor and a flow of ease, now there's hard toil and labor by the sweat of your brow. And that word toil means to work hard with little to no results. And how many of us can attest to that? It's like we've been on a proverbial uh, treadmill mill, and we're walking over, running, and we're sweating, and we're trying, and we keep every time we try harder, it's like we're going nowhere. Could it be that we've allowed the curse into our life? Could it be that we've not turned on the blessing that we have been given by way of Jesus Christ? We've not turned on that blessing. And as a result, of that, it's been very difficult. Why is it that we seem to put one foot forward and next day get knocked back two, three steps? What's going on here? God is either he's going to do it or he's not going to do it. Either he's saying yes to it or he's not. So if it's not God that's causing the problem, what are we doing? Have we triggered the switch? In our lives. And the way you trigger the switch in your life is when you don't walk by faith. But instead you decide to walk by sight. 
and now you're looking at your circumstances going, this is impossible. This can't be done. God tells you to do something. You want to believe, but it's like your mind is warring against you and saying, yeah, but I tried that before and failed and it didn't happen. And therefore, I don't know this will ever come to pass. You're allowing the curse to operate. That's why you get up every day of your life. And you make a decision, this is warfare, and today I'm going to battle. I'm getting up to fight the good fight of faith. Because everything in this world is set up to tear me down, break me down, break my will, separate me from my God. It screams to me, walk by sight and not by faith. But we serve a God who can't be seen, but we know that we know that we know that he does exist. We know that his word is true and real, but our mind struggles with it. And if you don't wake up with a warfare mentality, you're going to get your brains beat out. Is this too much for Sunday morning to you I don't want to scare nobody away, but I'm just going to tell you something. You're in a battle whether you believe it or not. You're in a fight. And we're going to win. Somebody say amen. We're going to win. So he lost the blessing. But just because Adam messed up doesn't mean that God changed his idea of what he wants or intended in the earth and what he wants for you and me. So after that, thousands of years, along comes Jesus, who's the last Adam. I was raised, and I heard this so many times, Jesus was the second Adam. Wow, was, I didn't know, I didn't, until I read the word, I said, it don't say nowhere where he was the second Adam. Because if there, there was a second Adam, there could be a third Adam. Or 25th Adam. But the Bible says he was the last Adam. Why? Because Jesus was going to be the bottom line decision maker of how he's going to make the, the Old Testament merge into the New Testament and fulfill it completely so that you and I could get rid of the curse because Jesus came to restore the blessing. We have been blessed with all spiritual and earthly blessings. Through who? Through Jesus Christ. I, what am I saying to you? The moment you got saved, you've been empowered. You have already been in power. The blessing already exists in you. You just don't know how to turn it on yet. I'm teaching you right now. The blessing gives you the ability to pick up where you screwed up, where you gave up, where you broke up, where you were held up. Come on. The blessing does this, and that's what the truth of the matter is. And the word replenish means to, to do this. It means to resupply. To recover former fullness. It means to stock in abundance. Again, let me reiterate to you. Therefore, there can be no lack. It may look like lack. It may act like lack. Everybody around you might be saying, it's lack. Your mind may scream, it's lack. But that's not the truth. There is an abundant supply that God has for each and every one of his children that you may not be able to see right now. But if you'll just simply believe it, and if you'll simply begin to understand that you've been called, that whenever you see lack, you have an anointing to replenish it and put it back. Because a lot of times we're saying, God, fix this, and God, fix that. Here's how God does it. He gives you wisdom and authority to carry out his command. 
But that don't, that's not supernatural. If I could do that, I'd be doing that. Yes, you can. And it is supernatural. In other words, the moment you step out in faith to do what he asked you to do. The moment. That's called faith. Faith is not believing. Faith is putting the action. It's a corresponding reaction to what you actually believe. And that moves a mountain. And that pleases God. And that turns your sitch around late in the midnight hour. But it's going to turn around. Tap your neighbor say, it's turning around now. Amen. So when you see lack of love, you go in the operation of the gift of love and you fill it back up. When you see hopelessness in your life, go go to somebody else just like you and fill them with a bunch of hope. Amen, somebody. Wherever you see it, replenish by faith. Adam was meant to take the garden everywhere he went upon the earth. He was never meant to live outside the garden ever. Even though he was placed outside the, ar- the garden, God wanted him to take it and literally it was a spot in the earth, but he wanted to take it and completely fill the earth, multiply and fill the earth. The Bible says subdue it with what? This garden mentality, this incredible relationship with God, this wonderful experience with the Almighty, this ability to, uh, to reign and to rule in peace. It was a plan of continuation. The last Adam brought that back to us by way of his own blood. So now, wherever you go or wherever you're at, you can literally change your environment from death to life, from cursing to blessing. God spoke this to me many years ago and said this. He said, I put you on the south side of Milwaukee for a reason, and I I didn't give you millionaires for a reason. He said, I put you there as as an example of my prosperity in the midst of poverty, and I have sent you to many who have not, so you can teach them how and what could be according to my word, says the Lord. He gave that to me, and I want to tell you something, church. We have endeavored every single week, every single time we've gathered to preach that gospel. And I'm going to tell you, that's one of the things that I got attacked so hard on is about your prosperity preacher. Let me tell you something. I don't even know what that means. I'm not sure where that, that, that even comes from. I don't even care. But I do know one thing. Prosperity is all through the word of God. I do know one thing. With God, everything grows and produces. If you look at prosperity, that's to me that's prosperity death and destruction is non-prosperity growth and production is prosperity and everything about him even his kingdom continues to expand every single day so everything about god is life and with his life you see expansion and growth and health that's prosperity not just financial blessing prosperity of life to do well, to go over, to arrive in your destiny. That's what prosperity means. To do well, to go over, to arrive in your destiny. That's what it means. And we've endeavored to do that time and time again with people. When they came in, he said, Isaiah 6, I'm going to get to this in just a moment. He said, when they come in, you don't look at them like everybody else looks at them. You see what I see in them, and you preach to that. I was preaching. I don't think I said this in the first service. I was preaching... My, I have a great message on prosperity, whatever it was called. I forget what it was called. But it was, it was about that. And um, we were just a small church. We were at the school building at the time. And, and so it was hot. It was summertime. I'll never forget it. And I had my suit on. And, and so uh, we get there, and the doors are locked. 
and we can't find that punk kid with the keys. Never could get a hold of that guy. And so, and so we couldn't get a hold of nobody to let us in the building. Here comes the people. Not a lot of people, about 30 of us. But here, here, we, here they come. And um, I don't, we have nowhere to go for church. And my wife said, what are we going to do? I said, well, there's a little place over here between the two buildings here. It's got like a little L-shape or a little U-shaped bench and had a couple of trees there. And I said, let's just go there. I mean, I'm just miserable. I got my little music stand. I carry my little music stand over there, you know. And I got my little Bible, my little notes. I got a suit on. It's 90 degrees, 90% humidity. It's hot. I could feel the sweat rolling down my neck, down my, my, down my spine. I'm hot. And so, and I'm aggravated and upset. Here comes people, they, they didn't even care. Like, oh, cool, we'll go outside. I'm like, this is the worst day of my life. Our guitar player, it was the, at the time was a praise worship leader. He just happened to have his acoustic guitar. So here we are, kumbaya, campfire, come on. Not really, but that's what I felt. And I'm talking up there, and I'm up there preaching about how God wants to prosper your life. He wants to take you and make it better. He's going to add to your life. And I'm thinking, you are a joke. You're in here telling these people you're blessed, and you can't even get into a building you're trying to rent. And here you are outside getting bit by mosquitoes. Everybody else is getting bit by mosquitoes. And I'm thinking, this is the worst day of my life. I couldn't wait to get out. I'm up there preaching prosperity. You know why I did that? Because I believe in it no matter what it looked like, no matter what it said. I saw this day back way back then. Somebody say amen. And I mean, I was like, get me out of here, Jesus. I said, honey, go, go, we're going to get out of here. He goes, let's talk to people. Oh, we got to get out of here. I, I, I won't talk to nobody because they're going to ask me questions. I'm out of here. So I, I said, so I'm walking to the car. I'm like, hey, God, God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. Trying to get out of there, right? All of a sudden, guys chasing me. Hey, pastor. Somebody's saying, pastor, wait a second. Oh, no. What's going on here? So a guy comes over to me and he says, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. And he says, I want to give you this. And it was a little packet that we handed out to people. And he said, um, I want to let you know, man, I prayed about it and I'm joining the church. I'm going to join the church. He had his little signed paperwork and all that kind of stuff. I said, well, praise God. I thought, well, Lord, if that guy wants, I thought, who would want to join a church sitting, getting bitten by mosquitoes in the back of a school building, not too far from a dumpster? Come on, somebody. And I said, only God could do that. Let me tell you something. You never despise the day of small things. It may not happen when you think it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Come on, church. Amen. Isaiah 61, in verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God. This is, by the way, this is the mission of this church has been for 20 years. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Well, what, are, what good tidings means good news. What's the good news to poor people? They don't have to be poor no more. Amen. Isn't that pretty good news? I think it's good news for everybody, by the way. Well, that's what I've endeavored to preach. And it says here, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. Watch this, to comfort all who mourn, console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaven. These people, that's a pretty unique niche crowd. Those are the downcasts, the misfits, the rejects, the forgotten ones, the hurting that nobody wants to deal with. Come on now. Those are those people, and yet God sees something unique in them 
that the world doesn't see. He said, now I want you to preach to those people. And this is what he said. He says, and when they come, you give them comfort. You console them. You give them beauty. You give them a garment of praise that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. In other words, when they come in, you don't see them the way they see themselves, and you certainly don't see them the way that others see them. You see them the way I see them, strong, mighty, grounded, that I may be glorified, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. Who's they? The hurting. The afflicted, the rejects, the throwaways, they're the ones, God says, will rebuild the old ruins. They'll raise up the former desolations. They'll repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. In other words, church, I know it's a little heavy, but the truth of the matter is, I'm not that it's heavy, heavy, but in the sense that it's, you got to get a revelation. It's not just about you or me. We're called to our city too. That's the way we got to think. More globally, in the sense that it's not, I, I got to get fixed so I can be used to help fix others. Now, I want you to look at Ezekiel chapter 36. Verse 33, thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt. This is God's plan. The desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. What? It's a, it's a concept. It's what God's heart is. I'll take places that nobody wants, that everybody thinks is terrible, that's desolate, and I'll make them like a Garden of Eden. That's the blessing. When the blessing comes in, look, when you walk into your neighborhood, the blessing just walked into your neighborhood. When you walked into your house, the blessing walked into your house. When you get, went to the job, the blessing is on your job. Everywhere you go should be, come on, should be what? Replenished, should multiply, should be filled up. Ruin city. He said, then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. So when we do it, God gets the glory. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and it will, and I will do it. So we've got to start taking responsibility of what's going on around us. Quickly, Isaiah 51, 16, very important. I have put my words in your mouth. Not in your heart here, in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, which is the church, you are my people. God's plan is for us to plant heaven on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we pray that God would open the heavens to pour out his blessing so we can make a difference. Everybody say, I am a difference maker. Touch your neighbor say, you're a change maker. Come on. You're a change maker. God wants to lay the foundations of the earth and plant the heavens in the earth. And my final thing I want to say, Ezekiel 37 verse 1. It's going to challenge you. The hand of the Lord, Ezekiel said, came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. So God said, I want you to walk through death. 
And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very, they were very dry, dead, dead. No way to live. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? We would look at that and go, Lord, you know, I, that's just, I mean, come on now, they're dead. I mean, they're not even dead. They're just a collection of bones everywhere. The bones don't even belong to each other, just bones. It's obviously an open grave. It's just uh, scorched by the sun. There's nothing left in here. But he says, son of man, and he's asking the question today, son of man, can these bones live? Can I turn around your situation even though it looks impossible? Y'all just going to sit there like that? I'm about to lose my voice and that's what you're going to do? Church, can God turn it around in your life? Can he cause a resurrection where there's been death? Here's how most people answer it. Oh, Lord God, you know that was a safe answer. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, old dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Did we not just find out in the scripture previous to that? He said, I have placed my words in your mouth. He didn't say in your heart because if they were in your heart, you could keep them there. But he put them in your mouth so they can roll out your tongue and have power and authority. Because when God wants to rule, he rules by saying, let it be, and so it was. Let it be, and so it was. He speaks into existence and calls those things that be not as though they were. You got to prophesy your future. I said you got to prophesy your future. Thank you, Jesus. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. got to be kidding me. They're not even, I wouldn't consider it in death. It's a skeleton, man. There's nothing there. Breath, come into them. You shall live. And I'll put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. You shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I don't know if his mind struggled with it anymore. I don't know if he was in any kind of doubt whatsoever, but this boy called Elijah stepped out in faith and said, so I prophesied. I spoke what God said, and there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I don't know what you're going through, guys. I don't know what's going on in your world. I just know that God can take dead things and make them live again. I said he can take it dead. He won't throw it away, but cause it to breathe again. Come on, 
I feel like prophesying right now. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. Your finances are turning around. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. Your body's being made well by his stripes. You were healed. I prophesy in the name of Jesus that this year is going to be your turnaround. Come on. God's just looking for somebody, just somebody that will stand up and speak like he speaks and tell it like it is like he does and love what he loves and get involved with what he gets involved with. Jesus. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them. And they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. The thing that was dead became the thing that began to fight for them. Purpose, authority. You got to speak to your future this year. You got to step out in faith. What am I telling you? That blessing in your life comes upon you when you activate your faith. Faith isn't just believing, faith is putting action steps into what you believe. Amen. Did y'all enjoy the word?